Shut up and sit down. To another episode of the Super Movie Studies Podcast, a show about comic book movies approached from every angle and a community of nerds discussing how fiction relates to nonfiction. I'm your comic book culture host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro, James Skyler Outsman, the scientific scholar, Ben Anderson, and <gasps> he's back, ladies and gentlemen. It's been so long. It's been like five, eight months. Jesus Christ. Here he is. Dun, dun, dun. Twitter, Tom. There he is! <laughs> yes. Returned at long last. Rejoice. Rejoice. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the Logan. newborn king. You All still glory, have time. Lord, and honor to thee, Twitter, Tom. <laughs> um, that's an old Methodist staple. If you'd <laughs> comment around Easter time. Uh, SMSP is your premier movie discussion Shut podcast. Up. Every week we continue our journey exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movies differently, so we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the film. Whether it's money, comic book science, or early 2000s emo jams, SMSP talks about it all in this week's episode. I prowl the rooftops and alleyways at night, searching for justice, blind justice, a guardian devil. I was 12 years old. I had lost my sight. But I got something back in return. My remaining four senses functioned with superhuman sharpness. I could hear a whisper a block away. But the most amazing of all was a kind of radar sense. Soon the world will know the truth. There is no proof that Daredevil even exists. That one man can make a difference. What do you want? Justice. This spring. Matt Murdock. Nice to meet you. I didn't get your name. I didn't give it. Sure you don't want to tell me your name? My name's Electrum. I have to go. My bodyguard is here. Your bodyguard? In a city ruled by fear. Kingpin just doesn't kill you. He killed your whole family. One man will face his greatest challenge. Give me bulls on. The devil is mine. Not really necessary. Necessary? No. It was fun. And a new hero will be born. Time to give the devil his due. How do you kill a man without fear? By putting the fear in him. <laughs> Daredevil. The movie. And yes, there will be spoilers if there's anything to spoil. Yeah, well, you know, some people avoided it with a passion. Heads up, super fans. Tonight is a Michael Intoxicast. We've all tried to catch up, but <laughs> except for me cuz I have to drive. <laughs> it's drive. I have to drive Michael's oh. drunk ass home. <laughs> you poor bitch. I know. I know. So, um feel free for all the other co-hosts to pick up the slack as I fucking stumble through all this shit. Uh first opinions, let's go to our beautiful voice that we haven't heard in so long. I just want to hear so much more of it. Twitter Tom. All right. Well, this movie was disappointing. <laughs> um 
especially if you go and watch, back and watch it after watching the Daredevil season on Netflix. Glimmers of what could have been in that movie, especially if you've seen the director's cut, mm. which I personally like. A lot of people like the director's cut a lot better. I just like it a little bit better. I thought Coolio still like sucked in it. No, Coolio's a great actor. Shut your mouth. Um, anyway, continue. False. He would have been an awesome scarecrow in the Batman that never happened. Oh, uh, Coolio? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he was supposed to be scarecrow in like the fifth Joel Schumacher movie. Ooh, right. uh, Anyways. Him and Nicolas um, Cage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, Skyler knows what I'm talking about. Um, yeah it was i mean it's it's not horrible it's not as bad as fantastic Four, 2005 or 2015 or second fantastic four but uh it's it's a product of its times if you go back it's a lot of leather outfits and screamo rock music but i mean i thought ben affleck did a good job as daredevil for what for what he had but uh i mean it wasn't terrible it wasn't the greatest it was just kind of like well, if it's on, I'll watch it. Popcorn, popcorn, Skyler. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page with this one. I I have a little bit of a soft spot for the movie, having gone to it when I was like, I don't know, I think I saw it when I was 11, and it it was so edgy at the time because it was like, oh, you just got off Spider Man, which is like you know, cool, poppy, you know, fluff corn or whatever, and then you get to Daredevil, and it's a little darker and edgier and woo not um, one but two evanescent songs <laughs> oh. <laughs> and this movie is an edge master like the likes of w- which we cannot comprehend but yeah i it's it's basically just uh it's an exercise in getting the basics of daredevil in a very visceral if kind of underwhelming way I, it's it's a it's a watchable movie. Mm. Uh, it's not going to win any awards for well anything really. But I think you know if you want to get the the bullet points of Daredevil in a not terribly compelling but but okay way, just watch this one and then go watch the uh, Netflix series to see how it's really done. Popcorn Ben. I have no nostalgia for this film. I saw it for the first time about two days ago. Oh, man. Uh, so I thought it was just bloody awful. <laughs> um, there were, I, I swear to God, this happened. Um, I was watching the movie. My phone buzzed. I got a Snapchat. I did not look at the Snapchat itself. I just looked at my phone to see that I had a Snapchat. And I turned back to the movie and Ben Affleck was fighting some girl on a playground set. And I said, oh, my God, how did we get here? What is going on? It was, it was about a three-second glance away from the screen, and I could not follow what had happened in between those things. And to me, like, I should be able to get distracted for three seconds and still have an understanding of what's going on in the plot. Um it felt like a very try-hardy movie. The soundtrack, like, the soundtrack was lit. Um, but it did not, it was not good. You know, it, it was like, it was trying to be the Matrix and be, like, dark and cool and everyone's wearing leather and punching. But it tried too hard, mm. I guess, is is what I have to say about it. And it was hard to follow and just bad. So uh, that's my opinion. If I had seen it when I was, you know, 11, I probably would have thought it was the coolest movie ever. Hmm. But 
I did a movie for 11 year olds. I saw it when I was 25 and I said, wow, (laughs) (laughs) the world has aged. I have, I have a paper that I have to write. (laughs) (laughs) I got to do some adult things right now. Clearly what they were not doing. Like I have to, I have to, I have to write a paper about my student teaching experience so I can complete the semester and get a master's degree. Like (laughs) that's what I was thinking when I was watching this movie. Mm. So (laughs) popcorn, Michael, uh, I, I've probably seen Daredevil too many times to count, um, because it held, you know, I saw it when it, I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it when it came out on like VHS. Yes. VHS. We're getting to that point. I owned v- the VHS of Daredevil and I would watch it a lot. Um, <laughs> it, it's, don't, don't trouble a child. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's not the greatest movie, and I came to discover that once I watched that again past my years of 20, uh, my second decade into this living world. Um, but then, you know, I bought the director's cut on Blu-ray, and I, I gathered a bit more respect for the film. It definitely cleaned up a lot of the editing errors that were present in the theatrical cut that sort of added to its woes. There were a lot of theatrical errors. Um, and then today, mm-hmm. I rewatched the director's cut, but with commentary from Mark Steven Jackson and um, Mark Steven Johnson, sorry. Mark Steven Johnson. Thank you. Jesus. Shot. I keep thinking of Mark Evan Jackson. Um, the the comedy actor. I was uh, gonna say that's that's like a two year old mistake there. <laughs> shut up, World Ride. All right, uh, and um, and uh, Avia Rod was also present, but it was mostly Mark Steven Johnson. Um, but it was it was interesting to hear how much Johnson lamented about every scene that was cut, and how much like he kind of fought for the studio to not cut little scenes that added a lot of flavor to the film. There's a lot more fleshed out relationship between Matt and his dad. Um, there's a lot, there's this entire scene with Coolio being convicted of a murder that the Kingpin actually framed him for. Um, that is actually interesting to watch Daredevil actually investigate instead of um, just being a, a lawyer and a vigilante. He's also a detective and that adds an extra flesh. And there's a lot of foggy and, um, Daredevil or Matt Murdock scenes that were cut that added to that relationship a lot more. So you actually got to enjoy John Favreau's character instead of just see him for the wisps and limbs of drinking mustard for one scene, and that's about it. Uh, so don't forget he touched he touches a uh, statue titty in one too. Exactly, he such he rubs up a Griffin's tits. That's right. It's kind of like you know, and then uh, but Mark, okay. Avi Arad delivers a killer joke in the commentary, um, and I don't think he even mean to deliver this joke. But Mark Steven Johnson is, of course, reflecting on this entire film as they're watching it, because this is past its release, and he's gotten all the crap, and he's heard everything from Kevin Smith, too, who just <laughs> probably does not do nothing but torture himself with that stuff and then funnels it back to Mark. Um, and say, like, the playground scene that Ben was talking about, and he says, this playground scene... Avi, um, coming up. People are pretty divided on it. What do you think? And Avi Arad says, d- d- divided? Do you mean as in it's a great scene or it's a tremendous scene? <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't help but laugh out loud because, I mean, like, that's just like either a mixture of Avi Arad's tremendous um, comedic attitude or his 
tremendous naivety <laughs> of obliviousness. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, Mark it keeps talking about all these scenes cut and why the studio cut them and how he kind of regrets that they were cut. And Avi's like, well, I understand why they were cut. So it's it's very interesting to hear both sides of the argument in that case of why studios do what they do and why Mark felt that things needed to stay as they were. Um, I don't think either side was really right because either way, I think it ended up being the film that it was going to be. But I think the director's cut is just minusculely a bit better simply because I enjoyed Coolio. But let's just go to the money aspect of it with a budget of $78 million, you know, coming off the hotness of Spider-Man and X-Men. You think Daredevil would show up with a bit higher front, especially being a Fox movie, being off the <laughs> heels of X-Men. Right. <laughs> and for that showing, it brought in a domestic gross of $102.5 million. Mm. So just a little bit over its budget. Yeah. Foreign was a little sadder, $76.6 million for a whole total gross worldwide <laughs> at $179.1 million. So, like, Fox didn't lament in its regret, and it was planned for a sequel, but they wanted to do an Elektra spinoff first, which got just panned by critics and shredded. Yeah, and also commercially garbage. Yep, so everything Daredevil related was dead after that one. Yeah. But this one wasn't too hot of a showing either. Um, <laughs> a little uh, info to put it into context. It's way behind what... Um, Similar movies that year brought in, mainly being X2 and The Hulk. Mm. Uh, those two are like in the top 15 of the year. Uh, whereas with Daredevil, it's the number 27 biggest movie of 2003 in the US and number 28 worldwide, just behind League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oof. Oh, Oof. that hurts. Not a good That hurts showing. bad. Ouch. Yeah, not the best. But, you know, 2003 was a difficult time for films, I think. I would say so. And this came out in Valentine's Day weekend, and that was before, you know, these days, movies have come out in February and March and be just huge hits. Just look at Logan, Beauty and the Beast, Deadpool, Lego Batman. Back then, you basically didn't want anyone to see your movie if you released it in winter. And I guess that worked for this one. Yeah. It you know yeah. it was it was a it was a comic book property that didn't shy away from the fact that it was a comic book property, um, and uh, it was hot off the tails of the giant explosion. This is the this is the second um, well it's the first revival of comic book superhero films um, because we saw a bit with the Superman and the Batman of the seventies and eighties that died mm-hmm. out in the nineties with the Batman nineties, um, and then this is the first revival with the X Men Spider Man. Uh, break through the doors and now we see all those you know ex uh daredevil catwoman films that came out yeah, yeah. like x-men is that film where it kind of tries to go for the you know premier artsy film take on the superhero and then spider-man's the big colorful yes. uh poppy you know doesn't take itself too seriously and this is just somewhere in between that doesn't or probably didn't work too terribly well for most people. Yeah, it's 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 too dark with not enough vision on what that darkness should look like yet. Um because they were still reveling off of CGI people and so you oh. had CGI Daredevil a bit too much. 
And you went, oh, this looks way too much like Spider-Man, and it's not good. Whereas when mm-hmm. the TV show came out, it was like, let's make it real. And you went, oh, well, that's a better take on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. But they oh, had to learn. One of my greatest disappointments with this one is that they were supposed to have a Daredevil uh, video game for the PS2 and Xbox, and they fucking canceled it. Oh, that would have been maybe good. Possibly Maybe bad. good. It could Probably have been not good. Yeah, it's a licensed video game. Yeah, so I don't know. The so Spider-Man kinda. video games were good, except for Spider-Man One. Um, really? So what you? I just, thought Spider-Man One was kind of fun. The Spider-Man, no, Spider-Man One, the movie, the game was a mess. Yeah. No, it was oh. a mess. You're thinking of Spider-Man Two. Spider-Man movie, Two was great. Not the movie, the game. It was just called Spider-Man Two. And then there was Activision Spider-Man and Activision Spider-Man Enter Electro, which were fantastic. But Spider-Man right, both of those. won the movie, the game, was terrible. Anyway, Agree or disagree. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. All right, moving on to comic book. We have uh, this movie draws a lot from the Daredevil defining run in the 80s by Frank Miller and David Mazzuccelli. Um, the Man Without Fear run, as it's called. And in fact, they sort of draw to that a lot. I think there's a character called... No, Frank Miller cameos in the movie... As a victim of one of Bullseye's, I think, in the bar, he gets a needle put in his head, Um, I think. And uh, there's a character called Joe Quesada that is um, murdered (laughs) by Daredevil (laughs) in the beginning of the film. And I forget the name of Kevin Smith's character, but it's also a – I think it's John Romita. I think it's also a harken to another Daredevil artist. Wait, um, Kevin Smith was in this film? Yeah, he played the coroner. Um, that, oh, that's right. Uh, <laughs> no wonder this movie sucks. He stained it with his awfulness. Oh, it is I, terrible. I hate fuck Kevin, Kevin Smith. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. There's a lot of vitriol on the other side of the Skype call. Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just uh, an un- annoying nerd. Uh, I would pay somebody 20 bucks to punch him in the throat. Is he the guy in <laughs> Clerks? Talking about something. Yeah, he he's the guy in Clerks. Clerks. He wasn't in Clerks. Oh, okay. Oh, he directed Clerks. Yeah. He, oh, okay. He wasn't okay, in okay. it. Um, he's Silent in a lot. Bob. Well, he was in it. He was Silent Bob. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. 20 years telling everybody how good Clerks was. No. <laughs> Clerks was his best movie ever, to be told. Um, and he's, Now he's churning out... Tusk and oh, uh, yoga hosers. They're bad. Those are bad movies. Remember when we went and saw Tusk Mauer? Yes, I do remember when we went and saw Tusk at theaters. So it's a sorry. regretful time. Did you have to reevaluate your life decisions after that? <laughs> it was did. a nice experience, but it was just a bad movie. <laughs> it was really bad. Is that what you were trying to forget when you got blackout drunk on Halloween? <laughs> it was quite a time past that, but yeah, possibly as well. Um, I never went to see Yoga Hosers because of. All right. Anyway, um, let's talk about some comic book characters. We do have to rapid fire because there's a lot of comic book characters in this one. Uh, so uh, Wesley Owen Welch made his first appearance in this one. And I won't say much. He's really just the right-hand man of Kingpin during the famous Frank Miller run. Um, and then you see Wesley show up again in the Daredevil TV show in a much more involved role. That's better. But we'll get to a first real character. Jack Murdock in Daredevil number one, 1964. Stan Lee and Bill Everett. A lot of Daredevil characters come from this definitive issue. Uh, his description is very analogous to the movie. Um, uh, the movie really wants to honor the book's really bad (laughs) um anyway the difference is roscoe sweeney aka the fixer is the name of the mob boss that jack worked for not fallon as the mob boss they described in the film 
Um, the guy was called the fixer because he fixed uh, fights in boxing. Uh, by the by, also in the books, Matt is in law school when Jack doesn't take the fall instead of a 10-year-old boy, but the result is the same. He becomes Daredevil. Same old. Whether it happened when he was 10 or when he was 18 didn't matter too much to comic book creators and film directors. Uh, next up, we have Ben Urich in Daredevil 153, 1978, Roger McKenzie and Gene Colan. Ben Urich is a classic age investigative reporter, the kind of guy that never gives up on a story no matter how deep the rabbit hole goes or how dangerous it becomes. Not so surprisingly, it becomes very dangerous, as his main targets of investigation are supposed upstanding businessmen who turn out to be crime lords and super criminals like Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin, or Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin. Through research and investigation, he also deduces that Matt Murdock is Daredevil, much like in the film, and develops a professional relationship with him, using him as a street source, similar relationship with Spider-Man as well, still kicking it with the bugle. Ben Yurick is not dead, as you might see. Oh, wait, hold on. I won't spoil. Um, last story with him as a main character had him rolling with De- Jessica Drew, the Spider Woman, and Porcupine, weirdly enough, taking down bad guys with journalism and a little bit of vigilantism. Uh, moving Fuck on. Yeah, journalism. Yeah? Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to Franklin P. Foggy Nelson, Daredevil number one, 64, Lee Everett. Uh, it also seems those closest to superheroes have the shittiest lives. Ready for another tale? Spun wonderfully, much the similar dissatisfaction as, I believe, Karen Page's tale is pretty fucked up. And like Psylocke, well, Psylocke is a hero herself. But if you remember Karen Page, she's been through some shit. But Foggy, whoa, Foggy, here we go. Matt's best friend at Columbia Law School, subject to bullying. Matt became a bit of a bodyguard when they were... Uh, um, around when they opened up Nelson and Murdoch, they hired Karen Page, and both him and Matt fell in love with her. She chose Matt over Foggy, um, and that's unfortunate uh, <laughs> for Foggy at least. Foggy is approached by a wealthy businessman who backs him for a run at district attorney. In that time, he rekindled a relationship with his old college flame, Deborah Harris, only to find that she was sleeping with his backer and they were secretly part of a crime syndicate or, and they were looking to put Foggy under their thumb. Also, um, at Nelson and Murdoch, Foggy always gets over his head with work because Matt is too busy out crime fighting a theme you can see a lot in the Daredevil TV show. Uh, Here's another. Foggy runs for DA again, this time on his own merits, and wins, and wins, even though he starts dating Debbie again once she gets out of jail. Yes, that Debbie I mentioned earlier. Also, uh, loses DA re-election due to a smear campaign against him, and he marries Debbie. Oh, yay! Yay. Until she sleeps with an Indian chieftain who kidnaps her. She sounds maybe like she's bad for him. (laughs) Divorce (laughs) follows the rescue. Uh, He's reunited with his estranged mother, who abandoned him at a young age, by the way, to pursue her law career. She actually becomes a partner at the now Sharp, Nelson, and Murdoch. He starts dating Liz Allen, a famous Spider-Man side character. Things are looking up. Whoops. 
he was drugged into sleeping with another woman and framed for murdering her by Mysterio. In jail, he confesses his affair to Liz and she leaves him. Um, proved innocent, but due to the bad rep that the trial gave him, his mom fires him. Yo. <laughs> Yo, dude. Does Yo. some solo work, starts up Nelson and Murdoch again with Matt. World finds out Matt is Daredevil. Foggy visits Matt in jail and gets stabbed for his compassion. That shit blows over. Start up Nelson and Murdoch again. And that's just a few examples, you know, on and off with that Nelson and Murdoch shit. Yeah. Can't catch a break. <laughs> Can't catch a break, Foggy. He's just one of those sad characters. Moving on. Bullseye premiered in this film. Daredevil number one hundred and one uh Daredevil number one hundred thirty one, nineteen seventy six, Marv Wolfman and John Romita Sr. Daredevil's Joker. Bullseye's origin are mainly unknown. Multiple stories cover it, but they are either retconned or false or left ambiguous, uh, ambiguously true, assuming in Bulls- that Bullseye made up any backstory about himself. One involves him growing up in the Bronx under abu- an abusive father before pitching in a near no-hitter in the Major League Baseball game. With only one pitch left, he says he's bored and asks the coach to leave the game. His coach <laughs> refuses, and the batter mocks him for being a coward, coward, you know, as any batter really would at that point. Bullseye then throws a beaner, killing the batter. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> of course, after he kills the batter, he turns, looks at the coach, and mutters one word. Can you guess what that word is? Bullseye. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct um, another has him um, in a trailer park still in a drunk uh, abusive father whom he murdered by setting off a handgun with a toy arrow ruled as a suicide Bullseye develops a reputation as one of the world's most dangerous assassins how do you develop that reputation by the way <laughs> oh, God. you kill a lot of people <laughs> and get away with it um, however, his credibility is ruined in multiple bouts with Daredevil, including one sound defeat on live TV. When Kingpin hires Elektra to be his top assassin, Bullseye is resentful and murders her with her own sigh, as you see in the film, a very tragic tale to- uh, told by Frank Miller. Um, very accurate mm-hmm. to the comic. <laughs> yeah, even the director's cut is more accurate, too, and it's gruesome actual murder in depiction of her crawling, bleeding towards Matt. Anyway. Crawling. <laughs> my skin. This movie needed more Lincoln Park, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> not impressed, Kingpin sends him to kill Daredevil, where he fails yet again, resulting in a broken spine injury. But he got that shit healed with some adamantium by the dude that invented the adamantium bonding process. This is, of course, after he had, like, a complete brain tumor that was causing him to go wacky. Yeah, he saw Daredevil and everyone, so he murdered everyone he saw. Uh, Follow that up with stints as a uh, Thunderbolt, uh, taking down anti-registration heroes in Civil War. Follow that up with a stint as the new Hawkeye in Norman Osborn's Dark Avengers. And follow that up with being murdered by Daredevil during the Shadowland arc, where Matt pretty much lost his soul and became leader of the Hand. Uh, Bullseye's still alive, though, so fear not. (laughs) 
<laughs> I heard Tom's eye roll. Like that's how much <laughs> it happened. <laughs> the, the Google Hangout literally showed Tom eye rolling because it made so much sound. <laughs> Colin Farrell, his his career died with this movie, just like Jennifer Garner. Like he was so terrible at Bullseye. I well, he I, was. I, I keep thinking of that terrible I- Irish accent. Yeah, it was pretty. Bad. He is Irish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he does. That's how bad he is. He can't even talk right in his native language. <laughs> All right. Uh, next character, Kingpin, The Amazing Spider-Man, number 50, 1976. Stan Lee and John Romita Sr. Um, grew up as a poor fat kid in New York City. He was constantly bullied and ridiculed um, on the streets. And so what does he do? He beefs up. And beats up his bullies until they join his gang, making a name for himself on the streets. He becomes NYC. Uh, he becomes the right hand man to NYC's biggest mob boss. Before gang wars force him to flee to Japan. Whatever. There he started a spice business and became super rich. I guess the before, spice must flow. Yeah, before returning to America and becoming. Uh, and taking back control of the New York City's crime syndicate. That's actually what happened. That was Michael Clark Duncan's real-life story right there. <laughs> it all makes sense now. On that from. Yeah, I guess. You know, he actually did that in order to prep for yeah. the character. It's called character fun, acting. Fun fact. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kingpin has also been through some shit, including his son taking, faking his own death in order to become a rivaling crime lord. Um, the Rose. For one example. No, he was called The Schemer, by the way. His son, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Richard Fisk was The Schemer. I think he eventually became The Rose. Oh, okay. Um, but that's comics, so whatever. Mostly, okay. Kingpin was a supervillain to Spider-Man for years until the 1980 run, in which Frank Miller picked him up as the antagonist to The Man Without Fear or arc, giving Fisk that characterization overhaul into a master manipulator of crime and law that we know him mostly for today. Born again. Yeah, that's really his... You wouldn't recognize Kingpin before (laughs) Frank Miller. Oh, no. (laughs) And and finally, we have Daredevil. Of course, Daredevil number one, 64, Leon Everett. Um, Kirby is rumored to have designed the first outfit, but that is not confirmed on fact. Uh, The first outfit included a ugly yellow and black costume in issue number one uh wally Uh, ugly ass yellow and black costume. it's disgusting it's disgusting (laughs) um wally wood redesigned uh the outfit in issue seven to all red and thank god it stayed that way the early issues of daredevil are a bit cheeky where like at one point spider-man sent a letter to matt murdoch and like it got exposed that Matt Murdock was Daredevil, and then Matt Murdock faked a second personification known as his twin brother called Mike Murdock, who he said was <laughs> Daredevil, and then faked that sometimes he had to fill in for Mike. Oh. Wow. Yeah. I'd watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. And then fans went, wow, this is shit, and they killed off Mike Murdock. Body swap. Movie. Yeah, and, and then Matt became, you know, Daredevil, and then eventually, like it got exposed that Matt was Daredevil. There's, do you oh, want me to explain all of go. Daredevil? Here we go. Here we go. Okay, Daredevil with the Mike Murdoch, <laughs> but 
both Matt Murdock and Mike Murdock are played by Adam Sandler. It's like a, it's like a Jack and Jill type situation oh, no. where like Mike Murdock has to fill in for Matt as Daredevil. Well, no, that's the thing. Mike Murdock is Matt. Matt made that up. No, but this is an Adam Sandler comedy. Where oh, I see. I'm I see. pitching right here. So Mike is actually a woman. This, this so is a new yes, <laughs> yes. Oh. Mike is, is actually a transvestite woman because it's the. There times. we go. Yes. No, but it no, it's, will be done it's Eddie totally. Eddie Murphy in a fat suit. <laughs> oh. And they're both played and by Eddie Murphy. They're okay. They're It'll ad- be blackface. The, yes. Okay. And <laughs> in blackface. They'll be Eddie Murphy yeah. Adam Sandler and Eddie Murphy will be twins, <laughs> but Eddie Murphy will play a no. fat transgender woman. Anyway, there's there's a terrible movie in here that would be so much more fun to watch. That, than pro- that probably movie. would have come out around the same time as this movie. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, so and Bert, Bert Reynolds would play Karen Page. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, so, I mean, do you want me to explain, like, Daredevil? Daredevil is the blind superhero. Stanley was so afraid that he was going to get hate mail from the blind community, considering, like, oh, look at what this blind man can do, and you can't. But the exact opposite happened, where they were extremely inspired that a blind handicapped man could become a superhero. You know, it created this sort of inspirational figure. And again, I, we have to harken back to Frank Miller's inspirational run of Man Without Fear in the 1980s that created Daredevil as a staple mark in the Marvel pantheon. Everybody knows who Daredevil is as a comic book fan because of that comic book arc. And without that comic book arc, we probably never would have seen a Daredevil film in 2003. And without that, we never would have saw a Daredevil TV show, arguably. He'd still be fighting Stilt Man yeah. off somewhere. Oof. Ugh. Fucking stealth man. Yeah, or, or shitty bullseye. Shitty bullseye existed. Shitty bullseye. He existed, okay. Shitty bullseye premiered in Daredevil number 26, <laughs> 1969. Bullseye was an extortionist. Let's get that <laughs> first. Like His first appearances oh, are not that flattering. He's a running joke of a character before Frank Miller's run. Um, but that's all I got for comic books. We'll move straight on into music. Music. Uh, the score for Daredevil is written by Graham Ravel, uh, who I feel like we have talked about at least once yeah. in this podcast's run. Um, he's one of the three people who wrote the music for Sin City. Mm, there you go. And we've we've talked about it at this point. I feel like <laughs> whatever. So, so who's ready for some uh, some early two thousands music? I'm ready. Hell yeah. I, I hope you're all raising your hands right now. Um, I've got a few. <laughs> I've got a few tracks from the score picked out, and the last one is like really into that sound. But if you want, I can also pick out some of the um, soundtrack tracks <laughs> to make it even more just ridiculous. We'll play Evanescence at the end. It's our duty. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Place but, but which Evanescence track? He asks himself. Um, there's also a um, when we first introduced to the Kingpin. There's a track from the group Nerd, Ooh. which is um, one of Pharrell Williams's early uh, groups. So that one might be worth tracking down too, if you want. But up until that point, we'll just listen to the theme. For Daredevil, written by Graham Ravel.
this track, I actually looked out my window to see if a police car or vehicle was going by. It's like, is that a fucking siren? <laughs> it's... You need one of those hats that John Pantiano had and had a cigarette and looking up in the rain. Like, that's what you need to do every time you listen to this. Oh, God. You know, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's my nostalgia or this second whiskey and Coke, but I, I am okay with this score just because it's so much more subdued than what you would hear for you know a quote unquote superhero theme it's just got the little pop 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 in the background it's got like its own laid back melody and then it's got that weird stuff where it brings in a fucking police siren but i don't know it it, it has its own little place there it feels like you know i was convinced the score was shit but i'll take your justification to move it to like mediocre shit <laughs> So that's, that's a terrible start. shit. I, it's I just can, shit. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can live with that. Yeah. All right. What's our next example? Uh, the darkest hour. I don't even remember when this happens in the movie, but it is music from a movie. So <laughs> here we go. <laughs> "Quote unquote." It is music from a movie. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I feel as if this can be said a lot about 2003 superhero films, that felt a lot more like a video game soundtrack than a film soundtrack. Um, Having just recently played Resident Evil 4, I think you're right. I think you're right. That's um, It's got that piano thing going on. Yep. Um, um, it's Specifically horror video games, but yes. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. <sighs> I just particularly like that uh, selection because it found a way to weave in the uh, the theme in the piano there. So oh, I guess I can't really pick out the theme, so I'll just fucking take your word for it. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're making concessions here, damn it. Yeah, that's what this entire film was about. <laughs> Some goddamn concessions, as as Mark Stephen Johnson would completely attest oh, God. i guess we can cut coolio out of the film entirely <laughs> even though we yeah. paid that guy <laughs> oh right well christian bale that shit well christian bale it i don't remember what film how- it was but christian bale got like cut out of a film i was gonna say how must it feel to like be entirely part of a movie like have scenes show up for a week maybe two at a time to film your scenes feel like a like a very important side character and then to see you not at all in the theatrical release by the time it comes out oh it's like a master of none i was going to say when the guy the the guy from lost showed up for a single scene in world war z oh, that's right 
Oh my God. Matthew Fox? Yeah. Mm. There's like two shots of Matthew Fox. That's right. Like, Matthew and, Fox and, and they don't this. even call attention to it either. Yeah. And it's like, is that. Is that Jack? <laughs> is that Jack? Shepard? Is that Jack? Do you need to go back to the island, Jack? Are you... It's like, why would well, they spend millions of back. dollars getting the guy from Lost and then have him in one scene? That dude's an Emmy nominated actor. <laughs> yeah, but not an Emmy winner. So that's probably Cross. why they were able to afford him. <laughs> he might be an Emmy winner. I haven't hey, checked might be. that. He might be. Whatever. <laughs> oh, but but to uh, to answer your question, I don't think I've seen Coolio in a movie in the last 14 years. So that's what this film did to his career. I was going to say, he was in Batman and Robin. Keeping that theme up. <laughs> Christ. He's doing, he's doing too many. Yeah, he's doing too oh many Remember the 90s tours right now. Because Gangster's Paradise <laughs> is a dope fucking song. He's singing uh, uh, Gangster's Paradise in a dive bar. Exactly. Oh. He just <laughs> sings that like 15 times and then goes home. <laughs> oh. No, I'm sad. But <laughs> cool you know what the best more. remedy to sadness is? More sadness? Listening to some ridiculous early 2000s film score nonsense. Which brings us to our next clip. It's the Kingpin. All right. My E got everything I need for that track. Too hard to be the Matrix. I just dropped ten minutes ago. Really, just hit me right now. I feel so bad. Have that going on loop. (laughs) (laughs) You're so sober. It hurts, Ben. I know. I know. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not your fault. It's my fault. I'm giving you. (laughs) Michael's like, will you DD? And I was like, yes. You are going to oh. be sober anyway. I was, yeah. Shut but, your mouth. But still. I'm, I'm giving you a virtual hug right now for your loss. <laughs> Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Oh. <laughs> That's me, though. <laughs> oh. All right. So in between one of those clips, I did drag up the uh, the tune from when we first meet the Kingpin because, you know, early 2000s rap. And it's ridiculous, and it fits with uh, the rest of the score. We'll, we'll save the evanescence for the end of the show. Don't worry. It's mm-hmm. there. We can't do a Daredevil show without at least Bring Me to Life or My Immortal. Like, Let's get that out of the way. But we do have a lap dance from the group NERD, which features Pharrell Williams. <laughs> Got something wrong. And I got it from home. And I got it from home. And it ain't a microphone. It ain't a microphone. 
got to come in my face so Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I dare that motherfucker to come in my face? Yep. I think we're getting some mixed messages there. Okay, okay. Lyrical genius. Okay, I was going to say, like, it's actually kind of a fun song. It's got a good beat. I was, I was, and then they're talking about coming in your face. Yeah, and uh, lyrics here or there. But, like, I I could dig to that beat. I could come to that beat. (laughs) Well, the song is called Lap Dance, so I think. I think their intentions are there. <laughs> I enjoyed the response I got out of Tom in that one. I just needed one <laughs> out loud, boisterous laugh from that shitty ass uh, joke. I just, e. coming I just on her face. Now, that's poetry. With the cigar bobbing his head, blowing his load. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Oh. I blacked out what I say. What I say. <laughs> Is your wife still next to you? You'll hear it. Back. <laughs> oh god damn alright is that music for today oh, that's music for today stay tuned for our aforementioned early 2000s uh, emo rock because it's just can't been a while <laughs> <laughs> I'm done alright move on to science it's been a while what do we got for science <laughs> topics uh, we have Daredevil can't route or on a speeding bullet. And there was another thing that you said earlier. Something. Oh, God. I'm drunk and I don't have good short-term memory when I'm drunk. Mm. Um, can, a blind, can a blind person see in the rain? It, well, I mean, sonar. Sonar in the rain. Um, like a submarine, Mr. Wayne. <laughs> like a submarine, like a Mr. Wayne. I think that's all we have to say about that. Uh, well, let's start with yours and I'll ponder while we get through so yeah kind of early on in the movie we see daredevil and he's fighting some dudes and they have guns and they shoot the guns and daredevil hears the guns daredevil daredevil uh he hears the guns go off and he says oh boy they're shooting at me i better dodge these bullets and i'm thinking hey now at that hogs and heifers bar yeah and i i said you know you're an all-star i don't think your game on go play uh, but play. I don't think that that would work. <laughs> Fuck. And the reason for that is sound, yet, you know, in air travels around 340 to 370 miles an hour, depending on the temperature and atmospheric pressure and altitude and all that. And bullets travel faster than that. Mm. So a bullet will hit you before you hear it. Are you sure? They travel, bullets travel faster than the speed of sound. So, but will he hear the sound of the click of the trigger because he's Daredevil? Oof. So he can sense that shit. Hmm. There's some timing that you'd have to work out. But I'm guessing if you're far enough away from a gun, the bullet will catch up <laughs> faster than the sound of the, the click. sound. Yeah, the sound of the click. Click, click, boom. Click, click, boom. Yeah. The, Another song that kind of went wonderfully into the soundtrack. It did, it did. Um, so I'm I'm not convinced that you could dodge a bullet if you can hear the. Do you think 
like dodging a bullet would have been his last resort. I'm sure that he heard dudes come up and he heard that they have guns and was like, oh, I got to get away. No, I was I was quoting Papa Roach at that point. Sure. Do you think if he could dodge a wrench, he could dodge a bullet? <laughs> if you can dodge a bullet, I, I would go the other way around. If you can dodge a bullet, you can dodge a wrench. <laughs> okay, good. There we go. I was so confused. Thank you for clearing that up. But could you do either of them by sound? Not a bullet. No. Could you smell a bullet before it came at you? No, because smell particles diffuse through air much slower than sound. Oh, so it doesn't... Hmm. Great question, Michael. Great question. Right, no, that wouldn't happen. I've tried to fit as many early 2000s songs as I can into this conversation. I know. We're falling really behind on this, guys. I feel like there's a quota we... If we owe it to the smelled like Teen Spirit. Yeah, we need to bump it up. Could he dodge it? Uh, smells like Teen Spirit is early nineties. Yeah, don't that's seriously. Fun. That's the wrong era. Yeah. Um, I I Joe Budden that shit. All right, bump pump pump it up. Hold me now. Yeah, I'm six feet from the edge. And I'm thinking. Was it his kryptonite? And they say that a hero save us. Can you take window. me higher? Na 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 na. I, I completely forget what our second topic was going to be. Yeah, and I really doubt it was that important. It really wasn't, because I didn't write it down. Um, it was drunk me saying something, and you went, yeah, probably. I was like, yeah, Michael, that sounds interesting. We'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, whatever, dude. Yeah, right. I had to drive your stupid ass home. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'll do what the fuck I want. I have to, my I, section. I have to make sure uh, that my wife doesn't adopt a dog while I'm in the cities tomorrow. <laughs> my, so wife. my wife. My <laughs> wife. All right, let's go to guess. Uh, let's go to fun facts. Tom, 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 Tom. Yes, sir. It's your turn. Oh, you want me to go? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ben Affleck was virtually blind. As he had to wear heavy-duty contact lenses, which blocked out most of his vision. So he probably, half of it wasn't acting. It was probably the truth. <laughs> it's called acting, dear boy. <laughs> um, in their big fight scene, the one that you could argue is tremendous or great, <laughs> Jennifer Gardner accidentally kicked Ben Affleck so hard in the head that he briefly blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> I would believe that. Aren't they married now? They're divorced. They're divorced. Oh, shit. But they're um, raising the kids together as a a joint thing, it seems like. Oh, okay. Yay! I I was like, I thought... their status. It's it's complicated. I was going to say, it seemed like a a healthy marriage for a while there. Yeah, he just finished up um, AA or, you know, rehab. So that might have had something to do with it. At least he's trying. He is trying. One good thing for him after Daredevil is he met Jennifer Garner. Oh, I was like, oh, I, I thought you were just the drinking. Alcoholic? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good thing that Daredevil became a raging alcoholic. Oh. <laughs> that was probably after Hollywood Land. Let's be honest, got a little Ooh. too into character. That's a deep cut joke for all of you fans of George Reeve out there. <laughs> oh. Do you hear that? Oh, oh the sound of no one getting it. <laughs> Look it up, Dick Cheese. <laughs> um, I, George Reed is the guy who played Blade, right? Nope. Uh, yes, actually, yes. He played Wesley Snipes' double. God damn. Good, got it. 
Affleck, Ben Affleck said he had such a terrible experience playing Daredevil that he said he would never reprise the role because he felt by playing a superhero in Daredevil, I have inoculated myself from ever playing another superhero. Which, oh, and he said, wearing a costume is a source of humiliation for me and something I wouldn't want to do again soon. Cut, cut to ten years later, and he's Batman. And arguably the best part of Batman or Superman, Dawn of Justice. He, well, Gal yeah. knows better. Um, but he still does a great job as Batman. But I mean, like, someone comes up to you and says, do you want to be Batman? Like, of all the heroes, <laughs> Batman... I think anyone would take that. Especially for, oh, yeah. like, however millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. Ben Affleck's like, will, will you fund my other Academy Award-winning films? <laughs> They're like, I guess. Wait, so I can make Live by Night if yeah, I squeeze into the sweaty Batman suit? <laughs> that no one saw. Yeah, sad day. I feel so sad for Ben Affleck. He's got some rough <laughs> shit going on, I think. And everybody gets Sad Affleck shit. is... My reaction right now. <laughs> Cue the Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> He's Garfunkel. He's the one that tried to go solo, but didn't do it too hot. Oh, oh darkness, my old friend. <laughs> That's the 70s. It's completely While weird. John Favreau was working on this movie, he started discussions with Marvel over what he'd eventually become Iron Man which is the film that launched the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we know it. So uh-huh. I guess that's another thing that came out of Daredevil. <laughs> You're like, I guess we can thank Daredevil for something. <laughs> <laughs> and the downfall of Avi Arad, yes. Uh, well, yeah. I don't think yeah. Avi was ever incorrect in his choices, but I think he was just the face of a terrible system. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Meaning selling toys above telling good stories? Yeah, that seems about right. Well, yeah, you can tear that. Or thinking a playground fight scene is Oscar Gold. <laughs> it was a sick. I want to say, like, I want to say he was actually being facetious and it was a sick joke. <laughs> <laughs> you just, just tell yourself that. I do. I do you know, want to tell they, myself that. I don't want to think they, anyone's actually a despairing person and wants bad. <laughs> for the wonderful it, heroes and myths that we look to in this age and era. And what cracks me up is in that commentary, they say they're a bit divided. Like, have you ever ran into anybody who said, you know what, that playground scene kicked ass. Like, that, that was, was so fucking awesome. Movie. Well, <laughs> like, anyone who wasn't 11. Yeah. Well, that I'm, teeter-totter part was awesome. Like, Mark, when, when Mark justifies, when Johnson, I don't want to refer to him as his first name because I don't think we're at that point yet in our relationship. <laughs> Um, but when, when Mr. Johnson justifies his relation, like why he did that scene, you see a glimmer of why, and you see a glimmer of that might have worked, but it's it's just too silly of a concept to have been followed through in 2003. So, yeah. Yeah. So just take it or leave it. And most pe- people left it where it was. All right. Well, the last fun fact I got was that Michael Clark Duncan had to be put on lifts or boxes to make him tower over everyone else in the film, particularly in the scenes with Affleck, who is 6'4". Affleck's a big fucking dude. Like He's super big. Like, even in yeah. Daredevil, he's not that buff, compared to like how buff he gets for Batman. Um, so much so. Which, by the way, like he is a human uh, collection of pillows by the time he gets to Batman. 
Like, he just, like, he shoved that shit underneath his shirt, and it's just too tight. Um, they uh, they actually made him stop um, bulking up during the filming of Gone Girl, because it's like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> Bring it down. You need to be a normal person for this film. Oh, shit. Oh, God. And then and Daredevil, like, when he gets out of the deprivation chamber, and you're like, wow, he's a little pudgy. <laughs> but really, he's not, because he's 6'4". <laughs> like calling ben jesus yeah no you would not want to do that (laughs) because i would say it's interesting that you think that (laughs) i'm actually very skinny (laughs) um there we go people that's yeah that's a lot of daredevil i mean i might have i think our second topic is deprivation chambers no it wasn't oh well it's something dumb that could have been another good topic actually was was it bullseye riding a motorcycle killing Killing a dad? Doesn't he like stand on a motorcycle or something? Yeah, doable. Uh, doable. That was doable. Some, throw some shit. Doable. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. I'm getting yeah. a little tired. I'm a little drunk. I might want another drink before I go to sleep because I'm an alcoholic. Because you don't know when to stop. <laughs> <laughs> because we're all here because we're concerned. <laughs> This whole podcast has just been us leading up to an intervention for Michael. <laughs> Two years. It's an hour and a half preamble to an intervention. You're in a safe place, Michael. You're in a safe place. You've completed your show. Now we need to talk about your problem. Um, I don't have a problem. I'm full of solutions. Uh, spe- uh. <laughs> uh, so that's going to wrap it up today, Superfans. Uh, Super Movie Studies is recorded and produced. iTunes, I'm so tired. (laughs) Uh, If you like what you hear that we've recorded and produced, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, drop a review, drop a rating. We read all of them. We love your feedback. New episodes every Monday. That's right. Tom's here to talk about iTunes or to fuck Twitter. Uh, I'm drunk too. (laughs) Drop by on our Twitter feed and uh, tell us what you like, what you don't like. Just we want to hear from you and, uh, Start a conversation with you. Um, what should this uh, Twitter challenge of the week be? Bad places Ooh. for Electra and Daredevil to fight. Yes! Ooh, I like it. <laughs> Hashtag fight scene. Like <laughs> Hashtag bad. <laughs> Hashtag Syria. great oh. slash tremendous fight scene. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag great or tremendous. <laughs> uh, That's it. Hashtag great or tremendous. They fight in a urinal. <laughs> 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 Not even like a regular urinal, like the trough you see at the state fair. <laughs> they fight in a supermarket. The big, they fight in the big an block of ice in the middle. Like their hands both <laughs> grasp a, a a a bag of sweet potatoes, and they go, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> Ben's face is cracking me up. Well, I, I was just saying, a bad place for them to fight would be the the black leather couch you see in so many pornographic films. <laughs> Be a bad place to fight. <laughs> the casting couch. I dare that motherfucker to come in my face. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that wraps it up today. Super oh, fans, we got it. We're live from the Bang Bros couch. <laughs> Christ Almighty. <laughs> we broke Michael. <laughs> Uh, I guess have a super week. Michael's not coming back. 
<laughs> He's dying. Have a super week. Bye-bye. Love okay, to bye. see you. Love to hear bye. you. Oh, you're great. Bye-bye, beautiful people. Wake me up inside. Wake, wake me up. up. I can't wake up. That was That was beautiful. <laughs> Wait, you got